0: Hello and welcome back to Elmtown. It's your old buddy Kevin Yank here, and uh, we're back with another episode. It's been a few weeks since uh, you heard from me, and that's because I was organizing a cast of thousands, or or four to be precise, to join us on the show here today. We have a panel discussion of representatives from the four major ELM conferences. There are now four major ELM conferences in the world and I figured if it keeps growing at this rate, this is the last time we will be able to get them all in one place. It was hard enough to navigate uh, the time zones. It is a, a cheery 11.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Australia. But I'm happy to say I have got four lovely guests, and so let's just go around the table and introduce ourselves. Uh, Danielle, would you like to kick us off?
1: Sure. I'm Danielle Fam. I work at NoRedInk, and I'm involved in organizing ElmConf this year. I pretty much started writing Elm when I began working there um, last year in August, so pretty new to. The elm community but really excited to see how it develops
0: welcome danielle blake you want to jump in next
2: sure so i'm blake the uh one of a director of engineering at norad inc and one of the co-organizers of maybe the newest uh probably the newest uh elm conference elm in the spring it's very uh n- you know sort of a new name also a very fresh and I've been a member of the Elm community of one of a, a sort, I suppose, for about a year. But I joined Norwood Inc. about three months ago. So, yeah. And it is uh, 9 a.m. in uh, uh, Chicago time. where I'm Oh,
0: at. that sounds good. The sun's up.
2: Yes, it's nice. Although it's snowing, which I'm angry <laughs> at April That's, for that. Uh,
0: yeah, weird for <laughs> April.
1: It's not even yeah. snowing in Canada where I am.
0: <laughs> uh, Tsebo, you're up next.
3: Hello. Uh, so I'm I'm Thibaut. I organize uh, Elm Europe uh, since uh, 2017. Actually, I I met uh, Evan uh, and Richard before that. I convinced them we had to organize something in Europe by saying to them that uh, in France we we would have great food. That I knew uh, um, a lot of places where we could do the conference they bought it and uh, since then I'm doing it
0: Richard has already promised me that if uh, I make a conference happen in Australia he will be there so I think he Richard only needs half an invitation to show up at an elm conference
3: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) he shows up everywhere (laughs) and he does always uh, amazing outstanding talks So, yeah, it's going really well uh, for that conference. But um, let's talk about that later. Uh, What I just wanted to say is that I'm doing uh, recruiting right now. I try to recruit Elm developers. Friends don't get it quite yet about uh, functional programming and Elm in particular. But I definitely think that it's a matter of time uh, till it it will really... uh, companies will want, so I, I, I think it's, it's good. And also, I'm creating a startup right now. It's called Not Only Meetings. The front end is in Elm. It helps people to do more uh, significant meetings with less time uh, wasted and uh, more time used wisely to, to have dedicated time uh, for people to, to talk about really important and meaningful mm-hmm. subjects and to stop wasting time, stop uh, getting out of schedule, things like that.
0: No doubt if it weren't for Not Only Meetings, you wouldn't have time to be on this podcast. So thank you to Not Only Meetings. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eric, you wanna, you wanna round us off?
4: So uh, my name is Eric Wendell. I'm one of the organizers behind Oslo Day. I work at a consulting company called Beck here in Oslo as a developer, team lead, and a tech speaker. It was actually in San Francisco at this conference I spoke at where I met Evan and Richard that actually sparked my interest in Elm. And back in that summer of 2016, we started Oslo Elm Meetup uh, along with some friends at work. And then the next year we had the the first uh, Oslo Elm Day and and the second one just a couple of months ago. So that's basically the, the wrap up of my Elm story.
0: Hmm. Thank you all for joining us. Before we get into it, I have a few sponsors to thank, and uh, they are the usual suspects, but I am no less thankful for their support for this show. We have Ellie, of course, ellie-app.com. This is the scratch pad for writing and sharing snippets of Elm across the web. Uh, We use it all the time at the Melbourne Elm Meetup, and uh, it's a great way, especially for beginners, to try Elm for the first time without having to set up a whole development environment on their machine. So thank you, Ellie, for the ongoing support for this show. Secondly, we have CultureAmp. Uh, That's cultureamp.com slash jobs is the place I would like to send you. CultureAmp is the place I work. Uh, We build uh, software that human resource departments at at forward-thinking companies use to measure things like employee engagement, uh, diversity and inclusion metrics for your business, all that sort of stuff. Basically we build software that makes the workplaces of the world better places to work and we build a bunch of Elm front ends as part of that product. Uh, So if you are anywhere near uh, Melbourne, Australia or if you've ever wanted to be near Melbourne, Australia, uh, reach out and check out uh, the jobs that we have on offer. Finally, Joel Claremont, Jay Claremont on Twitter, uh, as always, supporting us by paying our bill for our recording software. Joel organizes the Milwaukee Functional Programming Meetup and the Milwaukee PHP Meetup. And if you're looking to make an FP friend in Milwaukee, you should reach out to him. That name again is Jay Claremont, C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T on Twitter. All right, folks, it's time to get back into the show. I think I'm gonna kick us off with a question about how you all got roped into this. Did you all, you know, start your careers thinking one day I will have a conference, or did you fall into this sideways? I'm interested in hearing your stories about how you ended up helping out with an Elm conference of all things. Who wants to go first?
2: I'll jump in. Maybe, maybe youngest conference first or something like that. I don't Sounds know. good. Like I mentioned, I joined NoRedInk about three months ago. Prior to that, at another ed tech company, I was working with some uh, just amazing colleagues, fantastic people, and uh, we started adopting Elm into our application. Actually, building you know, building a, a new uh, kind of client side application with Elm. And at some point, someone mentioned, you know, oh, ElmConf is so great it's so it's, it's like eight months away and uh, that, you know, Hey, wouldn't it be great? And so um, almost as a joke, we were like, you know, we should, uh, we should have a conference. that's like on the other half of the year from (laughs) ElmConf. And it just kind of snowballed from there, honestly. And uh, it's reflected in the name, actually. It's the big purpose is, to have a springtime elm conference in uh, in the midwest
3: right. not around
2: St. Louis, but instead chicago
0: so i just assumed it would be a geographical thing that like there was the west mm. coast elm conference and the east coast elm conference even though you were all kind of sort of more like in the middle right <laughs>
2: yeah yeah st louis and and chicago were like literally i think a five-hour drive away so.
0: right so rather than cornering the the map you were cornering the calendar
2: yeah, it was it was about cornering the calendar, and if I'm honest, I think there's a bit of a, uh, I mean, as in many things, there's a Chicago-St. Louis rivalry, and we joked about this being another one of those, although we explicitly disincluded that from the, uh, uh, you know, the way we talked about it. But I, it's still in my heart.
1: I've personally never been to any of the Elm conferences. Wow. Um, okay. Neither Chicago nor St. Louis yet, but I'm starting by helping organize the conference. I feel like it's a fun way to jump in to the community and see um, a little bit more of the behind the scenes work that people are doing. Um, I love to help out. And I guess I ended up working at No Red Ink because of a conference. Uh, I attended Deconstruct Conf when it opened, and Evan was speaking. And then after that, I had been thinking about No Red Ink for a long time um, and then finally joined them last year. And then being around lots of people at No Red Inc. who are really passionate about uh, conferences and talks kind of led me to uh, this path,
0: even though I never right. really so, expected. So it wasn't part of your interview. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well that's interesting to hear because I definitely think of some of the uh, some of the tech conferences here in this part of the world, and it is often some of the newcomers to the community that are on the organizing team because they want to get in amongst the community they've got energy and and a drive to break into that uh, community and how better to do it than to to help organize the meeting of that community
3: so to tell my story about it actually i'm 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 also doing some courses, some freelancing, freelancing courses to help freelancers, developers to start their own business. And actually, I, I gave a course and inside my, my course, what I tell them is that they should uh, create blog posts. They, they should start to tweet. They, they should start also to uh, go to meetups and uh, create meetups about their favorite uh, subject one of my students created the ELM meetup in Paris. And then I was like, oh, but what is that language about? It looks nice. And and then he told me, oh, yeah, yeah, you should try it. It's really nice. So I started to do the tutorial and then I totally got hooked about it. And I I was like, "Okay, so now I I don't want to do anything else. (laughs) So actually, I went to um, for another company I am I'm, I'm a partner of I went to a, a conference in in uh, in Las Vegas Monet 2020 and I passed by 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 um, by San Francisco and actually I met there um, Evan and Richard yeah it was really nice to meet them and then I I said to them oh yeah let's do a conference in, in Europe I, I know everybody here so uh, I I could do, organize it and I could help yeah, they said, okay, let's do it. And then the story began.
0: So there was already a Elm meetup because of your student. You had to, <laughs> yeah. you had to up your game to a conference.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> How about you, Eric? How did Oslo Elm Day happen?
4: Me and my my friends at work, we we just wanted Elm to be more of them. So we started the Elm meetup and it got so much interest. We had like 150 people. Uh, signing up as members of the community in like a couple of weeks with no marketing from our side. And we had about 50 people actually showing up to the first meetup. So that just basically overwhelmed us. And when we saw that Richard Feldman was going to Europe anyway for for the Elm Europe, we, we dropped him a message and said, hey, Richard, would you, would you like to, to pass by Oslo on your way home? And he said, yeah, sure. And he already rebooked his flights and just, I'll be there that Friday. Okay. And then basically we needed to do... We were thrilled and we needed to do something with that. And we th- were thinking, should we do like a, uh, uh, like a large meetup and just make a bigger deal of it than the other meetups or should we do a conference? And then uh, Richard's favorite saying of, let's go with the ambitious approach just <laughs> really came into <laughs> our heads and that's, let's just do that. And then suddenly <laughs> we had a conference that we needed to plan. <laughs> so yeah. that's basically the story of the conference.
0: And so the first Oslo Elm Day was like back to back with Elm Europe then?
4: Yeah, and that's actually was a part of the challenge as well because we didn't want to 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 become a problem for the Elm Europe conference or to in any way diminish that conference or or pull audience away from it. So we we really tried to be strictly a a Norwegian conference for Norwegian and potential Elm developers, and I think we we succeeded in that um, in not being uh, creating a problem for the for the Paris conference.
3: We never saw you uh, as a as a threat. Don't
4: worry. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So for the second edition, we really needed a different part of the year. So we we basically looked at the calendar and and saw that January, February is as far away as you can get from the other uh, conferences. And we just put it in February. And also there's hopefully a lot of snow and like a winter wonderland kind of thing going on in Oslo in that time. Of course, this year it was like really hot, no snow, just like some, some black remains of snow, so that was really <laughs> a letdown, but that's, shit happens.
1: <laughs> so far, it seems like all of the Elm conference organizers are really mindful of each other's space. Um, I know that we thought about when our CFP would be open just to make sure that we didn't overlap too much with other people.
0: When you think about the wider JavaScript conference circuit, there are speakers who will, they'll come up with their talk and then try and take it on the road to multiple conferences. But so far, as far as I've seen, every Elm conference has a completely original lineup of content. I guess that that might be a good segue to talking about how how you go about programming your conferences. You mentioned a CFP, Danielle, and I think uh, you mentioned to me off air that the CFP for ElmConf is now open for the next ElmConf. So you're, you're taking submissions, yeah. uh, which is great. Um, do you all want to talk about your, uh, your CFP or whatever the process is for getting talks for your conference?
1: Sure. Um, so I think what's cool is the team behind ElmConf is pretty ambitious and they're not afraid to build something New if like the existing tools are not exactly what we want. So um, a few of our team members have built like a new app to <laughs> accept um, proposals for talks. And I think we're really focusing on having first time speakers be well supported. Um, so all of the content is really friendly to people who are speaking for the first time. And um, if you need any help with, like, trying to come up with a topic or um, want any feedback beforehand, then uh, people on the team are happy to help. And any of the submissions that are um, coming in by May 5th will receive feedback. And then our CFP is open until May 10th.
0: Mm, yeah, as someone who has applied to ElmConf in the past, I can vouch for that. That I got very good feedback on the first pass of my uh, my submissions. And yeah, I, I love conferences that do that.
2: One thing I like that we did is we, for Elm in the spring, we reserved, I think it was two spots for first-time conference speakers and made that a priority. Um, and I think it's great when conferences do that. I think it uh, it really helps to support the community and just kind of like, in a, in a healthy way, grow the community. And I, uh, the other thing I think that uh, we did, which I definitely encourage folks to do is whatever shape it takes, like try to try to have a fairly uh, blind submission process. And I think that's kind of a best practice these days, but I think it's maybe not discussed as much as it should be. So for anyone who, who doesn't know, I think everyone in the world knows, but for anyone who doesn't know, a blind submission process is where you uh, remove as many of the details from the uh, the talk submission or the proposal as possible uh, when reviewing it on uh, you know with your with your whatever committee reviews talk uh, submissions.
1: Yeah we at Elmconf also have a, an anonymized process and in case there are any details that the organizers or committee members recognize, we'll grab some external people to. Kind of minimize
3: that bias. So we we don't do that that all. We think that it's not it's not uh, only uh, the actual CFP which is important, but it's also uh, the person and and all the history of the person and all the, um, um you know, the life behind. And uh, we actually, we we, we started by doing uh, uh, anonymous uh, CFPs, but like this year, we really wanted it it to be even uh, more uh, human. And we wanted to to create, uh, you know, some kind of...
0: It sounds like you're talking about, uh, you wanted a, a curated experience of not just the talks, but the speakers themselves. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, it, I, I imagine there is a trade-off there. Do you do anything, if not a blind CFP, then to, to try to create a variety of new and old speakers, of speakers of different diverse backgrounds?
3: So actually what we do is we go, um, and, and that's, that's what we did this year. We went uh, searching for speakers. For, we, we went to people and asked them to do CFPs like interesting people of the community. We went to them and we, we say to them, oh, please, uh, would you make us the honor to, to do a CFP? And we always, what we say to them is, you won't be uh, uh, chosen because we reached you. Uh, you will be uh, in the panel and everybody will be taken exactly uh, the same amount of time to discuss about uh, do we want to have you or uh, or not? But uh, yeah, it, it, please do a CFP. So we went to uh, a lot of different uh, channels on uh, on uh, on the Elm Slack. We went to really um, specific topics. Uh, I would say owners. We we asked them to to do CFPs, and at the end, what what I really love about our lineup this year. We have talks about art, music, uh, video, physics, physics engines, uh, compilation. Uh, We have a talk about uh, a compilator of Elm uh, program in Elm. We have uh, a lot of video games uh, talks uh, and emulation of uh, video games. Uh, We have uh, also uh, we also wanted to have a real life uh, feedback. So uh, big apps in Elm. We also have a lot of diversity. We, we have uh, people from Japan uh, coming to, to talk uh, about about big apps in Elm, like uh, the bigger uh, Elm app in, in Japan. We have um, design talks. Uh, we have also performance. Uh, and also last, uh, we have um, some like this guy is amazing. He's, he's talking about the software he created. Actually, it's a language to create some courses. It's, it's Markdown++++. plus. plus, plus, plus. Like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And it's, it's to, to, to create uh, educational experiences. And it's on top of it. And it's really uh, 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 incredible. And last but not least, we have a surprise with uh, uh, Mario Rogic. Uh, he will talk about something really amazing, and uh, oh. I, want, I really want to have that. But yeah, we reached people. We, like At, at first, we, we didn't have enough uh, submissions this year. Uh, last year, we, we had uh, much more uh, submissions than this year. But actually, this year, we had the same amount but, uh, of submissions, but we reached a lot of uh, people. We had really great submissions.
0: Wow, that's a lot to squeeze in. I can understand why you are a two day conference. And I'm wondering how Oslo Elm Day squeezes everything into one day.
4: So we also did a, did a blind review process and we're a bit unsure about how that would work in, uh, in advance, but we're really happy about how it turned out. Uh, we got um, a lot of proposals and uh, I mean, we see the, the program selection part as like a two, two-fold thing. There's a lot of great ideas out there that we are not aware of. And and the CFP makes sure um, they get those ideas to us. But there's also a lot of people that we uh, know have a lot of exciting things going on. So we also invite some speakers or at least invite them to to submit to the CFP. And this year we were so, we, we actually re- received so many talks that we, we couldn't, see how to fit it all in one day and we just had one day so we basically figured out that we have two rooms so we could do the first multi-track elm conference and that basically saved us this time because there there were so many so many cool talks we we tried starting to cut the ones that we uh, liked the least but we we really ended up uh, finding out that we liked them all so it's it's an impossible problem to to cut some talks
0: wow now your guests are going to have fomo (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think our hope is that we can reach uh, underrepresented groups. Um, Specifically, we've reached out to people who attend Elm Bridge workshops. And after they've gone through the tutorials, they are invited to submit a, a proposal. And again, we're like open to helping out as much as possible. And another thing that came up when we were trying to figure out uh, a more diverse group of people to reach out to. Um, One of our organizers, Emma, uh, mentioned this Global Diversity CFP Day. It happened in March. Um, People get together and draft proposals or brainstorm and they get help with that. And I think that event came out of some workshops that happened in Scotland before uh, CSS and JS conferences there. So I feel like reaching out to people, especially who are, are new to speaking to conferences and really encouraging them, making sure they understand that they're welcome at our conferences is really important.
0: I can testify to that being a global thing. We did have our uh, global CFP Diversity Day event in Melbourne, Australia as well.
2: I will briefly say on... on... You know, to to Bo's point, like about the the thinking about the whole person and and just thinking about diversity in general, that is one of the challenging things that I I think you have to think about ahead of time with a blind CFP is because you don't have an eye on those details, you don't necessarily have a a good eye on the demographics. And so if you aren't soliciting from a really broad set of communities and, and really being mindful about, you know, making sure you're getting a really representative set of CFPs you run the risk of, of winding up with like a skew in the representation in those proposals. And that's actually something that's, that's something, that's a challenge that we encountered. Um, and, uh, the way we address it, I think was, uh, was as, as healthy. This is I'm in the spring again, uh, as healthy as we possibly could just by, uh, kind of going back out and, and encouraging people to, uh, uh, submit and being very supportive uh, with folks and, and we were able to address it. But yeah, that, that is a learning we will carry into next year.
1: You know, one thing that Just, makes me particularly more comfortable about potentially speaking at ElmConf is that um, if your talk is accepted, you have like as much support as possible in preparing mm-hmm. your talk by working with a mentor who has spoken at
4: conferences in the past. With Oslo Elm Day this year was to invite all our accepted speakers to do like a video version of their talk live with us. And we'd offer feedback on what parts we found the most interesting and try to help them shape the the talk to to, to be a best possible fit for the conference. Since we also uh, almost exclusively had 20-minute talks, it can be quite challenging to... To fit your content into such a short time frame,
0: yeah, that's a tricky time
3: slot. We do as, as many rehearsals as, as people as uh, speakers want, and um, yeah it's it's really important for them to feel that they are supported, but uh, yeah what what I really love is that we also have um, speakers who came for the first time two years ago. they came back last year and they still submitted the new CFP this year so they really love it and they told us that and uh, even if it's like so much work to organize uh, that conference like you know every time you you start a new year of uh, organizing an L conference it's like I think I I didn't uh, marry, but it's, I think it's like organizing a a, a wedding, you know, it's (laughs) so so much work, so much work. And like at at the beginning, it's a lot, a lot of work. At the end, it's becoming even more work. But then you have these two days and it's just mind blowing. You, You meet so many amazing people, speakers, and then like, will you do it next year? (laughs) And you're like, okay, let's do it next year. And you're like, oh
0: no, (laughs) so much work. Is it the sort of thing where uh, at the end of it, you're thinking never again, but then a week later you think, well, maybe again.
3: At the end of it, try it in the middle of it. No, at the end of it, it's like, yeah, I want to do it again tomorrow. It's so amazing, like the, the two days of conference and then the like, we go also with the speakers the day after we go to, uh, we, we do a garden party. The day before we, we do the speakers dinner, we do workshops, we do a bunch of things around the conference. And that is like amazing, you know. That's uh, the thing, like you, you get into it. While the conference you say, yes, I will do it again next year, but that you are then you are like kind of... <laughs>
4: they can you know i actually have a confession to make about being it being a lot of work to, to do a conference and like the day after you did it you're so euphoric about how much fun it was and you agreed to do it again we actually cheat a little bit here in oslo because we employ uh, we, we get some help from a professional event conference event agency doing see. some we basically buy them to do the 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 worst part of the work and that that really helps on on being able to do the conference year after year without being too big of a strain on the organizers. That, that really enables us to, to do it.
0: Is that true of the other conferences? And are there any other ways your conferences are maybe different from each other? I see a lot of shaking heads here. Our listeners can't hear them, though. But it sounds like uh, Eric's got the, uh, got the advantage on that one.
1: Well, I'm curious to find out how many organizers the other conferences have. Um, So historically, ElmConf has been run only by Brian and Luke, who are pretty prominent in the community. Um, But also, they have the support of the Strange Loop team, which is really great. But this year, Emma and I have also joined the team. So I I hope that we can help with the overload of running a conference.
2: So uh, we have five people. And I I agree that the euphoria of a conference, like you could sell me a used car at the end of a conference, like it's just such a great experience, right? But like leading up to it, at one point I uh, told my partner and she is also a, uh, she organized a conference in a completely different context. I told her uh, if I ever agree to organize another conference, punch me in the face. Um, <laughs> because as fantastic as, as it is it is so much work to, to your point, like it, it, you're planning a wedding for, yeah, it's, it's like planning a wedding. It's the same, it's the event planning thing. And I'm super jealous of you, Eric, the having a team, like a someone who's paid to take that, those logistics on like, uh, yeah, that if that's an option in the future, I, we will be looking at that for sure. Even with five people, like, it just feels like so much to do because you're, you we all have busy lives also, you know, are you going to
1: get punched in the face next year?
2: I'm probably going to get <laughs> in the face next year, and I'll take that hit, and it'll be fine. But like, <laughs> ugh.
0: For context, I think uh, for future generations listening to this, uh, I, it's probably worth pointing out that as we record this, we are less than two weeks away from the inaugural Elm in the Spring oh, yeah. oh, in uh, no. Chicago on the 26th of April. And uh, I might just jump in and say for any listeners who are near or in Chicago and want to attend that, you should uh, buy your tickets now and use the springtime 10 discount code to get 10% off. There you go, Blake. Saw Thank you
2: story. for being so much more organized and mindful than I am right now. Right now, <laughs> like, literally, the thing, the thing haunting my brain is, oh my goodness, I know what I want for speaker gifts, but I have to go shopping for it. And that's like, yeah. If yeah, I'm hearing
0: the, the trend curve, it sounds like you are at the low point right now. And, uh, it's going to be great on the 26th of April.
2: It's going to be. The thing I'm so most excited about is, is getting to see all the fantastic people. I'm noticing one through thread on all of these conferences is we met Richard and, and or Evan, and they were fantastic. I will attest that I think Richard will travel to your city if you invite him to lunch. Like, it's just, I think that's about all it takes. I say lunch just because it's a low barrier to entry. And uh, my wife actually follows him on Twitter now and regularly says he's such a, he's so fantastic. They haven't even met. So yeah, I think there are folks in this community who really do like inspire a lot of like, aw, And so that, that spawns conferences, I guess.
0: C-Bow, you had something?
3: I wanted to talk to, to another subject that we just talked about at the beginning, but once something I want to share to people organizing conferences, uh, that is really important. We struggled at the beginning to, to have underrepresented uh, communities represented. At at the beginning, we were kind of stuck, we didn't know how really to have these people uh, more uh, represented. We asked them to do talks, we asked them to, to talk. And if they accepted, then we had them talk. But it's like it's not the way to to do it. What 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 works really good is if you have an under an underrepresented group of people, you you talk to them about uh, doing CFPS, and you tell them that they won't be they won't be uh, taken because they they are of this underrepresented group. Uh, they will be taken if they. Pass as the CFP process, but we reach them more to have more CFPs. So, uh, and at the end, we have a, a, a more diverse uh, conference, but we don't uh, choose people because they are of uh, underrepresented groups. And that's how we manage to, to have more diversity. And uh, this year, we have uh, uh, three women speaking, which is a lot for NelmConf. Uh, uh, we are really happy about it. But it's also because we reached a lot of of women to do CFPs, and we had a lot of uh, women CFPs. And yeah, at the end we had we had three uh, we chose three uh, talks. And yeah, it's it's really important to like uh, that way it works. So that's because we tr- we struggled to find a way to 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 do that to improve uh, diversity, but also to make people understand that they are not chosen because of that uh, diversity thing. They are chosen because what they are talking about is interesting.
0: There's a parallel in, uh, in uh, my day job at CultRamp. We talk a lot about, um, because we, we run surveys around diversity and inclusion in companies, and we have a lot of um, data from our people scientists about what works and what doesn't work uh, for improving the diversity of teams. And it, it's, it's very similar to the CFP process that you were talking about, Cibo. that the way you build more diverse teams is you interview more diverse people. And it's not that you need to prioritize more diverse people in your hiring. You just need to make sure that those people are in your interview pool. Uh, and, and that alone um, is the, the biggest bang for buck for, for making a difference to the diversity yeah. of your team. We were talking about uh, the, the size and shape of our organizing teams for conferences though. sibo what's your team look like?
3: We have uh, five people like uh, really involved and we have um, also a, a periphery team of people who who are uh, helping volunteers yeah uh, and uh, uh, yeah it's it's kind of uh, it's it's really helpful to have all uh, all these people uh, around uh, the conference and it it wouldn't be possible with, with, without them uh i i would like i would really like to thank uh, uh, Dan Abrams, who is really amazing. He's doing all the um, movie uh, of the conferences. And he's also uh, helping a lot with the process of, of, uh, of the CFPs and everything. So he's really uh, amazing. He's not alone. All, all of the team is, uh, is, uh, is awesome.
0: Great. Eric, what's your team look like?
4: Um, for this year's conference, we're actually a total of 10 people. Wow. Split into one, Yeah, I know. And one group of uh, like the program committee, about six people and four of us are doing more practical stuff. So that's worked really well for us this year. Um, two years ago, I was really kind of burned out in a way after the first conference because it was so much work. I couldn't see, see us doing it again. So we, that's why we, we skipped a year. But with, with this group, it's, I think it's just, it, it worked perfectly. So really hoping that everyone's on board for next year's conference and, and, and 10 is a, is a good number. You, I, it might sound a bit large, but yeah, it's really nice to just delegate and uh, like divide and conquer all of the demanding tasks of doing a conference.
1: How did you assemble that team of 10 people?
4: So we started with um, three of us from from my work uh, doing the meetup. And when we started the first conference, we actively went out and looked for people that we know are passionate about functional programming, either be it uh, Elm, Haskell, Scala, Clojure, whatever, and asked if they wanted to to help build a conference around Elm, but also that will help build an FP machine in Norway. So that was the the first year. And then uh, for the second edition, we, we basically... Each went through our networks and, and so uh, looked for people that um, are would be motivated for either Elm or just help FP in Norway. So,
2: yeah. Um, Eric, really quick, how big was the team the first? So the team now is 10 people. How big uh, was it the first year?
4: I think we were six.
2: I'm noticing like a four, five, six, like organizing team for conferences and that kind of works, but there's also a lot of like, Oh my god, this is hard and then like once you scale up just a little bit everyone's like, "Yeah, it's not so bad."
0: <laughs> I'm also still hearing though that Elmconf is still getting it done on 4 people this year and that's Which... a, that's a new record for them. That's
1: uh I'm still kind of... impressed that they made it happen with two main
0: organizers.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: even. Yeah, that's awesome. Were there any other lessons that uh any of you learned in the early years of your conference? Uh, I'm thinking especially to help Blake out going into his first year. Is there anything? Uh...
3: Respect yeah. the schedule. I would only say that. like, When you have a schedule and you say it's 20 minutes, just do it 20 minutes and then uh, two, three minutes of questions, but then stop. And because like, if, you, if you don't respect the schedule, everybody feels a little um, not, not really happy about it. And uh, last year we did we did really respect the schedule, uh, yeah. like second, uh, like it, it was uh, minute perfect, I would say, and it was like that was the part of the conference we we improved the most. So yeah.
0: I remember watching uh, Elm Europe the first year on the live stream and, and watching Portsy going, please 20 minutes. I mean it this time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will say that uh, our, our schedule is a little bit experimental. We, we, we actually had a whole conversation about, should we do this? Should we do that? Should we do this? And ultimately like we came to a point where we had to decide, do we have like five minute breaks between talks, which seemed like not enough. Or do we do like two talks back to back with longer breaks? And our conclusion was we're gonna do that because they're they're short enough talks that we think we can we can do that and then have longer breaks to kind of reset. Um, what we're hoping is that we don't eat into those breaks like by like, you know, just death by a thousand paper cuts, a minute here, a minute there. But uh, thank you for pointing that out. That was like you validated my concerns about this schedule
3: and, and the importance of adhering to it. What, what, what we do for the, for the time uh, is uh, like we do 20 minutes of talks and 20, 20 minutes of break. And uh, 20 minutes of talks, 20 minutes of break. And we do it the whole day. Why we do that? It's because uh, actually uh, when people walk, they make their brain uh, work better. Mm. So if they do a little break every 20 minutes... You know, it's like doing spots, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds of spots uh, of uh, run and then 30 seconds of, of break. It makes like your brain really uh, moving, you know? And uh, yeah. if, you, if you are not really interested by a talk, you, you can skip it and you will get like uh, one hour of break, actually. So mm-hmm. it's, really, it's really great. But if you want to go back, you 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 go back. But even like the fact of moving away and coming back, it makes your brain work better and you will be more in shape to to understand what, what will be said, more engaged to what will be said next. I think uh, Danielle
2: and Eric had some uh, advice for me also. And I'm super excited to hear that. Uh, yeah,
1: one thing that Brian mentioned was Um, Audience Q&A is usually a bad idea. I've seen that at conferences I've attended as well. Like, sometimes people go up to the mics and make statements. They're not questions. And it it can be hard to moderate. I'm wondering if you have any Q&A scheduled?
2: We didn't explicitly schedule any, but I think that um, what we're going to do is let speakers know if they have time before the end of their slot and they want to, do a Q and A, then they're, they're welcome to, to do that, but we will cut them off like at the, uh, again, uh, to, uh, to Bo's like point, like respect the schedule. I've been talking to some folks who have spoken at conferences before. I think we're going to explicitly mention to the speakers, if they prefer not to take questions that all they really need to do is, is, is just announce that and, and that we'll support them. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, Audience questions can be really—they, it's—it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Like they can be great, but they can also be like, All right, "Mine is more of a statement and not a question," and it's like, eh, yeah. Okay, "So you what, just
3: say what, no? You just say no to that? <laughs> like it, you you yeah. say no, I've, no, really?
2: I've been practicing my response. I think it's going to be well. Look out for next year's CFP. Thank you.
3: That—that <laughs> that is a rule we we say at the beginning of the conference. We say. You, we will have uh q and a Q&A if you don 't ask questions okay. and you have to ask also um you know a good question like bienveillant uh, good uh, good for the speaker you know question yeah
4: hmm. I totally agree on the no questions thing we We decided on that early and. Uh, also, the Norwegian crowd isn't that comfortable like uh, asking questions at conferences. So a lot of times the speakers would allow it and there wouldn't be a single question. And perhaps the speaker would take that as like they did a bad talk, which is the opposite of, mm-hmm. of what happened. So what we do instead, we always have a, an after party. And we try to encourage people to ask the speakers their questions there and just basically the talks are one part of a conference but just meeting new people and also talking with the speakers is a large part of that so just creating space for people to to meet the speakers to talk with them discuss with other attendees that's that's just as important to us as having a great program so to me that's that that solves the q and a part and if you would want to do a Q and A during after the talks, it's also possible to do like an online solution. So you can curate the questions and make sure you you get the most relevant ones. And perhaps mm. also, uh, some people in the audience didn't know they they were um, curious about a certain question before they see it on the screen, and then they can vote, vote for it. Say, "Hey, I, I'm interested in this."
2: I think that uh, the online solution might be something we consider in the future. Another thing I've heard mentioned. And this is, again, from a, someone who speaks at conferences or has spoken at several conferences, was uh, encouraging speakers to basically say, like, if you if you have any questions, find me after. Um, and just setting aside some time for folks to like come and, and talk to the speaker directly rather than having it be a mic'd thing. Um, so that's something that we had talked about as a possibility.
0: The next thing I wanted to ask about, I'm not sure if this is a good question or not. So bear with me.
2: More of a statement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> something I've noticed about all of your Elm conferences so far is that they always open with a keynote by Evan or Richard. Is that something that you deliberately hope for that that you hope that you can convince one of these two foundational voices of the Elm community to speak? Or um, does it just happen that they happen to have a great talk available to you every year? Do you do you feel like that's going to continue?
1: I think this year ElmConf is trying to elevate people who have not spoken before. So as much as we love Richard and Evans talks, um, I think there are different ways that we can involve them in the conference. Um, Last year I believe evan was an mc i think richard is just he's speaking at all the conferences so it's (laughs) you know you can catch him at one of the many great talks he gives elsewhere but i think this year uh we might not see that
0: Mm. well yeah if he keeps if he if he has to speak at four conferences a year with new material at each one he's never going to finish his book right
2: (laughs) I'm sure that's what's distracting him. Um, for us, like, so Richard is doing a keynote for Elm in the spring. And for us, like, when we first started talking about it, um, I hadn't even met Richard. I barely, if I'm honest, at the time, I barely knew who Richard was, which is a weird thing to say now. We were literally thinking about butts and seats at that point, right? Like, we were thinking, hey, Richard's probably a big draw and one of one of the folks in our team knows who he is and has talked to him before i love uh what daniel's saying about like ElmConf really like looking out for new voices and stuff like that and i would love to see our conference do a little bit more of that next year all of which is to say uh richard maybe we won't get you a ticket to chicago next year no i'm joking <laughs> but um but i'm, I'm sure it. i i love the idea of the community having more options for keynotes if they want to emphasize that and I think that we should all be building towards that, that future reality because it means our community is growing.
1: <clears throat> Let's create another Richard and Evan. <laughs> yep.
3: that, actually, that's, that's exactly what we did uh, for, uh, for Elm Europe. The first year and the second year, we had uh, Mario Rogic, who, who gave amazing talks. And actually this year, he's uh, the keynote uh, speaker of the second day. And he has the 40 minute slots like Evan had uh, last year. So yeah, but we still have Richard. Since we have two days, we can have two keynotes.
0: <laughs> I think I might jump in and, uh, and share the other discount code uh, for uh, Elm Europe, which is in Paris on the 27th and the 28th. And I think I saw you have a workshop day on the day before on the 26th yep. around GraphQL for, uh, exactly.
3: for Elm. So yes. With, with Dylan, with Dylan Kearns.
0: Okay. Well, if you're anywhere near that part of the world, here's a discount code. It's ELMTOWN10. Very easy to remember, ELMTOWN10. And it's only valid until the end of this month. So if you are listening to this after April 2019, uh, I'm afraid you missed out. And if you're listening to this after June 2019, I'm afraid you really missed out because the conference is going (laughs) to happen. We're rounding up to the end of the hour here. And I was just wondering if any of you had any stories to share about uh, about your conferences that those of us who watch them on YouTube may not have uh, had the opportunity to see firsthand.
2: I'll go first and say I look forward to having stories, but none yet, obviously. None yet. <laughs>
1: Same. One thing Brian mentioned about streaming and like watching videos online is that it makes people think they get all the benefit of the conference when really, you know, spending time with the people there chatting with the attendees and speakers. um, That's the the real benefit. So you can't actually get that from watching the talk videos.
3: Yeah. Creating connections between people. Like that's the main output of Elm Europe. We had people who met there for the first time it's amazing uh, how much like people create projects afterwards and uh yeah it's 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 amazing
0: as someone who's been to many tech conferences i definitely agree i'm not sitting here in australia going i don't need to go to any of those elm conferences i can watch them on youtube i am sitting here intensely envious of the people who have an elm conference near them and uh And I guess my advice to anyone listening who hasn't been to one of these, but has one in their backyard is get thee to your next Elm conference as soon as you can.
2: Um, Well, everyone loves the hallway track, right?
0: I know what you mean by that, but do you want to expand on that for, for any of us?
2: Yes. In the, in the kind of like last decade or so, you have all of these conferences, large conferences that have multiple tracks and then, uh, There's this lingo that has come to exist, which is the quote-unquote hallway track, which is basically taking and spending dedicated time outside of talks just to socialize and make connections with people in the, uh, the figurative hallway or literal hallway, as it were. And so a lot of people will, when they talk about attending conferences, they'll say, take time or make some time for the hallway track hey, the value of a conference isn't just attending the talks, it's actually making these connections and making sure you have time to make those connections.
1: Yeah, I would add, don't feel guilty about skipping a talk if you're in the middle of a brilliant conversation.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, one last thing I wanted to tell is that last year, I did a CFP at my own conference, and I was selected, actually, and I did the talk and it was horrible like to have to talk to your own conference is like you have the conference organized and then you have to talk and you are just it's, it's horrible it's even more work and uh, yeah i, I don't <laughs> my advice is don't do talks at your, at your own conference <laughs> it's, a, it's a recipe for, uh, for failure very but, good advice <laughs> <laughs>
0: Eric, do you have any thoughts for anyone who, uh, who you know, might be in Norway and has never been to Oslo Elm Day? What are they missing out on?
4: Oh, that's, um, that's a great question. I mean, as I said, going to a conference, you, you're you going to see a lot of cool talks, but best of all, you're going to meet so many cool people. And it's the connections you make that's really at least to me, that's that's the biggest part. Also, as a speaker at conferences, the thing I'm, I'm looking uh, the most forward to is actually the speaker's dinner and meeting the other speakers and hearing all of their ideas, where they're coming from, why they're traveling the world, talking. Uh, so to me, like meeting people is definitely the most
0: important part. That uh, That's my favorite part of speaking at a conference as well. I, uh, I have a fond memory of a, A 2006 conference in Asturias, Spain, put on by the World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C. And they invited young, fresh-faced Kevin Yank to come and speak about, um, oh gosh, what even was it? unicode or something like that <laughs> and i hopped on a plane to europe for the first time in my life and spoke uh, at a conference full of spanish-speaking people in the audience but they they had uh they had enough english to follow my talk as well and the the whole thing is a blur except for the time that i spent with my fellow speakers at the speaker dinner and then having bonded at the speaker dinner we all went out taking photographs together on the streets of of, uh, of that university town in the middle of Spain. And um, yeah, wow. I would not give those memories up for anything. So I think it's, it's definitely a, uh, a, uh, confronting thing to put yourself out there and to, to submit to a CFP like uh, the ElmConf one that's open now. But trust me, there's a lot more to it than those, uh, that half hour you get to spend on the stage and the weeks of nerve wracking work to try to put something worthy of that time together ahead of time. Just like we've said about the conference organizer experience, the highs more than exceed the lows and, uh, and I would recommend it to anyone.
2: Let me just say, if I haven't said it before, I would do punches in the face, notwithstanding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Well, I think uh, that is as good a place as any to end it. With four lovely guests on the show, it's very tempting to go for a whole other hour, and we might have to uh, make this an annual thing. But uh, it is definitely bedtime here in Melbourne, Australia. So I will, uh, I will say thank you to our lovely guests, Danielle, Eric, Blake, and Thibault. Thank you so much for making the time. And gosh, yeah, fitting to the very limited schedule of time zone overlap that we were dealing with. It was uh, fantastic. And a new record for guests on Elm Town. So, thanks again for joining us, and thank you, listener, for joining all five of us in Elmtown today. It was a little more crowded in the streets of Elmtown than usual, but there's room for everyone in Elmtown. So, thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. Uh, say goodbye, Blake.
2: Thank you so much for having me
3: on. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Thibault. Thank you very much, and see you soon,
4: Eric. Thank you so much for having uh, Oslo Elm Day on here. I hope to
0: see you in Oslo next year. And Danielle, I hope you're uh, overwhelmed with the CFP applicants now.
1: Thank you. And thanks for our first great podcast experience.
0: <laughs> Yay! A round of applause for Danielle. All right. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.